As a sales manager, you are judged by the performance of your team and you're praised when they do well. But one thing that you've not been able to figure out is how to get everyone on your team consistently hitting quota every single month. On the Snack Size Sales Podcast, we discuss the science of selling STEM. Sales leadership in the science, technology, engineering, and manufacturing fields is difficult. You will learn from sales managers just like you that will give you actionable insights and tips on how to develop as a leader and achieve your revenue targets every single month. So pop your headphones in and get ready to listen to my guests today. They will give you information and inspiration to ensure that you have actionable insights that you can put into place today. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Science of Selling STEM. Today, I have the distinct pleasure of having Alyssa Huffman as my guest. How are you today? Doing great. Thank you for having me, Ms. Greer. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Let me tell you a little bit about her. She's spent two decades in award-winning sales, contracting, distribution, marketing, product development, leadership, and team building. She focuses specifically on medical devices, biologics, capital equipment, robotics, and pharmaceuticals for growth strategy implementation. Her main passion lies in organically growing dynamic teams focused on uniting healthcare communities to develop medical devices, protocols, and techniques with the highest level of clinical evidence and innovation. Wow, you sound pretty amazing. So tell me two decades ago, how did you get started? Well, I applied for seven years into medical device and pharmaceuticals and uh, barely got an interview. <laughs> um, and if I did, it was, uh, I, I was swiped by pretty quickly um, because I didn't have experience. So I started in, I knew that I wanted to be either in college, either a uh, journalist for the Travel Channel or, or a, in medical devices. Um, I had planned on being an orthopedic or, uh, or orthopedic surgeon or a plastic surgeon, but that did not happen. And so, so I knew I loved the technical space um, and I liked working with my hands. So um, I got a position with, um, in advertising. Um, I worked for Clear Channel, Gannett, um, and uh, in print and in um, uh, radio advertising. Um, also did some um, work uh, around the television space, the news space for a while. Um, and then I got lucky enough to get hired into medical device as uh, capital equipments. And I worked for them for a couple of years, went to and then I got very excited because Smith and Nephew hired me as a 1099 rep. Uh, that was uh, transformative in my career. Um, as a 1099, I had no clue what I was getting into, um, but I figured it out pretty quickly. Um, people weren't in the OR were not very excited to see me there uh, as a new rep and the only female. Um, but then slowly over time, I grew trust and grew friends and realized that I had other opportunities available to me as a 1099. I picked up uh, a variety of companies' products uh, and portfolios uh, with regards to spine, total joint, trauma, regenerative medicine, uh, sports medicine, and biologics. 
went into, and I was a distributor for um, quite a few years. Uh, I recognized that the market was changing and got out of the distribution model and went into capital sales um, and then went into sales management, got my executive MBA. Uh, and now I'm currently the director of marketing and clinical development for Fuse Medical. Um, I do consulting work in private equity, in the private equity space as well for NEOS um, in New York City. And um, I'm the CEO of my own company, Illuminate. Wow. So you have just the million things that you're doing. That's all. <laughs> just a million things. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, it. <laughs> you mentioned that, you know, you, you in college, you said, I want to be a medical device rep. So I'm curious because so many times what we find is in sales, we fall into it. Nobody really says, I want to be a salesperson when I grow up. So tell me, how did you know at such a young age that this was something you wanted to do? Well, from the age of four, I had thought that I was going to be a surgeon. I mean, it was just, that's what I was going to do. And I went through a series, uh, a, a little phase in, in college. I went to UMKC. I took a trip across the nation, just left and fled Destin, Florida, which is my hometown, which I love and adore. And, um, but I landed in, at UMKC uh, in Kansas City and just flailed. I just did not do well. I was in, not in a great headspace. I was too immature and... And I was talking to my dad and I said, if I'm not going to be a doctor, what do I do? I, I, I don't have, I, I, that's, I don't have a plan B. And he was like, why don't you be an ortho rep or a device rep? He was like, uh, at that time it was 1999. Um, so, so it dates me, but, um, at 1999 device reps were doing pretty well. And I, and I had no idea. I hadn't even heard of it. I had, was an athletic trainer in high school. My high school was lucky enough uh, to have a program where you could get certified to be a high school athletic trainer. Um, and I was using that to, to further my development in the orthopedic space. But, um, but yeah, so it was just, it was, it was a process of failures, <laughs> actually. Wow. So what I really like about the story that you shared, it was, so I thought I was going to be a doctor, like so many kids today still think I want to be a doctor, a lawyer, or engineer. And your, your dad, he had the foresight to say, well, you don't have to be a doctor. I mean, you can still be in the band and not be the, the, the main singer, the main attraction. Why not be a rep? And so it seems like you kind of, through a process of elimination and having some good advisement, decided to, to take that path. So you mentioned that that was what you wanted to do, but it took you about seven years to get into it. So what kept you going? Like how, what drove you to keep pursuing that passion? Well, you know, I think sometimes um, you just have to suck it up and keep going, putting one foot in front of the other until you reach your destination. Very few things are given to you in life. Sometimes you get lucky, but a lot of times the people that get lucky, they don't um, take full advantage of it, or they don't fit the exact need, or they don't realize, they don't have the capacity to realize at that moment um, how lucky they were. And um, I, that's the beauty of, I, I'm a firm believer that the best CEOs in the world 
are the ones that were at the lowest level. Um, you know, they say that the best CEOs were the janitors at one point. And people really under, underestimate the power of building alliances with people that um, aren't necessarily the C-suite or the sale upper management. Um, you, you, develop, you, de- you develop your tribe of people and that's how you become successful. Um, you can do grit and perseverance for sure. You have to have that. But having people to stand by you when, the, when you need them is a big part of it as well. That's good. I, I think that, you know, there's a lot of lessons in what you just said. It's one thing that I think so many times in that sales profession, we think about, oh, I got to talk to the CEO. I got to talk to the head of the division, the head of sales, the CFO, whoever the C is or the VP, right? And like you said, you underestimate the, the person who maybe the brand new um, marketing rep that they just hired, right? Like what kind of intel can you get from there? And so when you started in sales, you did something that for a lot of people sounds pretty scary. You did a 1099 job. So as a 1099 sales rep, what were some of the struggles that you had? Um, well, um, we, and I, I actually talked to one of our teams about this last week, um, to make sure that expectations were, were aligned with reality. When you're 1099, they are taking an investment in you and, um, they don't get paid by the manufacturer to, um, to train you and to develop you. Um, it is just like real estate. You build your brand you build yourself, you build your awareness, you strategize how you can reach that market um, and how you can reach those individuals and what's gonna differentiate you. And um, so my distributor, um, um, after, after realizing that there was opportunity in my market, I, he sent me to uh, St. Louis and I worked with uh, Dr. Barrick and um, some of the team over at WashU um, I went back and forth for about six months and um, then went to uh, went directly into the OR and uh, was very green, <laughs> but um, uh, it was a process and I uh, didn't understand the risk reward uh, trade-offs as the distribute from the distributor's perspective. I just looked at it like the distributor makes so much money. Um, why can't they pay me a salary? <laughs> and that's not, that's not reality. So, um, um, and why aren't they doing X, Y, and Z like um, the big companies do? It's a totally different market and it's a totally different demographic um, and subset of people. And it's, it's risk reward um, and it developed my sense of entrepreneurialism, which um, I'm really, I would never, ever take back that experience. I loved working for Smith and Nephew. It's a great company and great people. And I'm very proud to have started my career in medical devices that way. So back in the, the late 90s, or as my children so affectionately tell me, because they like to make me feel old, in the 1900s, <laughs> when you were... <laughs> Yeah, the 1900s. Yeah, like um, when you were a woman in sales in the OR, nonetheless, what was that experience like for you? Well, um, it was a uh, it it was fun. Um, it was nerve wracking. Um, it was 
some days were high, some days were low. It was a complete roller coaster. Um, uh, all fingers are pointed at you because you're not the employee of the hospital. You're not the W-2 rep, you know, you're not an employee by any stretch of the word for anybody. So you're always, it's boot camp, really. You have to learn how to apologize when it wasn't your fault. You have to stay humble um, and um, really, really, really understand your strategy. The, the amount of time, um, if people spent time strategizing where they excel, where they lack, they would do, we would all be doing so much better in our roles. Um, it's all about strategy and, and aligning your strategy with the proper people. So how has being strategic really helped propel your career from um, being that 1099 sales rep to where you are now? So early on, I identified that um, there was a large misunderstanding in the market regarding biologics. And I was lucky enough to have a surgeon um, who early on wanted to work with robotics. So not only was I running the um, computer navigation machine um, and getting that experience in 2007, um, well before the market really captured um, robotics, but I also saw definitively a, a need for intelligence within the regenerative medicine space. So um, PRPs were just coming out, the Magellan machine was just coming out, um, um, new biologics, um, glass, um, bioactive glass was coming out. Uh, there were a lot of, uh, and it was just all so confusing and the gold standard was just to use autograph from the patient's, like bone from the patient's body um, to fill in large voids. Because if you have a large void in bone, it will not grow together. It needs a scaffold to, to help grow the bone together and heal. And, and this is, um, I don't want to get uh, very complex on this, but um, people didn't understand it. A lot of the doctors didn't understand it. Um, they just were comfortable with, with what they were used to. And so um, within those two realms of technology, I really tried to understand biologics better than anybody else. I don't know if I did, but I felt like I did a pretty good job. And what propelled me further on down my career um, is the, my intel for biologics and regenerative medicine. Mm. So way back then, you realized that, hey, here is a opportunity in the marketplace for me to really shine. And so even as a young salesperson, it seems like you were very strategic about the roles that you took, the types of things that you um, asked for mentorship on because it, it was just, it was a building block to where you were headed. Absolutely. And as a woman, I mean, I, what the wives of the surgeons were not going to be very excited if I was playing golf with them or traveling with them very often, you know, and I had to recognize that I probably was never going to have those relationships that the other uh, reps had. Uh, with physicians. And, and I had to understand where my um, benefit lies. And that was working, uh, was planning, um, planning on, um, on challenging weekends or 
um, holidays, anticipating that somebody might miss something. So I would be the backup plan. Um, I was okay with being a backup plan because um, I was good at it. And then eventually I became the first plan. So I love it. I love it. And, you know, I think that I, I got an email yesterday as in, you know, in 2021. Um, and it was a, an invite for a poker game with cigars and, and drinks. I was like, oh yeah, you definitely are inviting women, aren't you? <laughs> I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> and so what you said, uh, it, it's true, right? It's, it's, there, there, sometimes it, I have to use a different strategy to really become, get to where I want to go. So talk to us about your transition from individual contributor into leadership. So um, I took a step down in pay and uh, started with a startup um, in in the biologic space and and started an executive MBA at the same time. Um, And uh, I knew that I just had, I just, I wanted to reach that other level, the another, just another level. I was, I was bored to be honest with you. And so that's why I, I, I had achieved some really, really, um, some really favorable results and awards over the years. And I wanted more and I expected more out of myself. So, um, that's when I took a step down. I took a significant pay cut, um, to, to get into management and based in Springfield, Missouri, I knew, uh, I had opportunities, but I would have to move. And at that point, I couldn't move. So um, for somebody to hire me, it was going to be a startup and it was going to be, which I was, I was okay with. And I, that actually excited me. And um, I knew that I was going to have to take a, a step down and pay. But at the same time, I leveraged working for a startup with gaining my executive MBA. And I went to WashU um, to provide insights from a financial analytics standpoint. I recognized um, with throughout my business career, having my distributorship, that I was just doing plug and play um, in my accounting. I really was very, very poor. I was not proficient and I had an accountant and um, I was relying too heavily upon him. So again, with regards to strategy, I saw if I'm going to get anywhere in management, I'm gonna have to really uh, put myself in the books and understanding basic accounting principles, the economy as a scale, uh, manufacturing and uh, operations. I knew distribution very well and logistics um, and contract negotiations. That I really excelled in, but I was lacking in some severely in other areas. So, so there's your, your strategy coming back up again. Most people don't, they don't realize that because the thing with getting into sales management is very seldom can you get a job as a sales manager without any sales management experience. And if there's not a path at your current company, then if you go to another company, kind of like you said, they're not going to just say, oh yeah, you can just manage all of our salespeople having never done it before. (laughs) So that was, again, another strategic thing. And if you are able to say, I'm going to take a pay cut. I don't need to, I can take live nimbly and I don't need all of that for two, three, four, maybe even five years so that it propels me to do what I need to do. And it sounds like because you were at that startup and you had a little bit of extra time, probably you could pursue that MBA. 
Yeah, it, 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 I mean, it couldn't have been um, better. It was a great opportunity. It was a great time. I was lucky to have um, been seen as somebody that could help a startup. And, um, and it gave me uh, a fantastic insight into the challenges behind um, commercialization of products and um, strategy, GPOs, and, and hospitals. So uh, one thing that I think that a lot of companies, large manufacturers are, are missing the mark on is hiring sales management without sales experience. And um, I, throughout my career, I didn't have any females at all until the very last one, and she had just moved over. And so, and so there's, and, but that wasn't in orthopedics and spine. So um, there are very few managers within orthopedics and spine that are female that have sales experience, let alone sales experience at all. There's yeah. not a ton. It's, you know, uh, and our lovely industry of STEM sales, I mean, it's, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because there are so few women in STEM period. And most companies want you to have some kind of technical background to even go into sales. So the pipeline for women in STEM sales is, is even smaller than it is in, in other um, industries. But I'm seeing a great trend, trend, trend um, of upward trend. And it's, um, it's fantastic. I love seeing it because women provide just a different and unique perspective. Not everybody agrees with it, but it's just a, a one more blinder to take off. And um, and I I love I love my my team of guys that I work with. I mean, we, we just have a fantastic time. And then um, I have a great team at Illuminate, and we have women on there, and so it's exciting. So you were on the dark side of entrepreneurship. You stepped back into the light and became a W two employee, and now you're back on the dark side again as an entrepreneur. Yeah. So tell me, why did you decide to launch your own business? Well, it's a series of divine intervention. Of, uh, I, um, I was involved in a really, really bad car wreck. Um, uh, we were hit by a drunk driver, and um, the individual next to me almost died. Um, a couple of people in the car almost died. And uh, it, was, it was a moment where I was specifically remembered had I died at that moment, I would have regretted what I had brought to the world, to my life. And I had all, I, in 2011, I tried to patent a, um, some, some things that I had sketched out in the OR for medical devices. I uh, got overwhelmed with that process and, and because of the cost and, and how, how could some random girl out of Springfield, Missouri, do what the manufacturers of global supply chains do, you know, like it, I mean, I got overwhelmed and, and that's, but in 2018, after that wreck occurred, it was like, I don't want to make those same mistakes again. If life is too short and if you don't try, I don't want to go on my deathbed saying, I wish I would have. The goal of my life now is to, to live it with as few regrets as possible. And right now, I don't, I don't have any regrets. I think that this is a beautiful path. And it was designed um, outside of me because uh, something at play is something larger than me is at play. I love that. A lot of times, that's what it takes for us to, to walk in our passion, right? To walk in, in our purpose. 
it takes that life altering experience where, and like for you, it was almost like your life flashed in front of you, right? And you said, nope, this is not it. This is not where my legacy, this is not where my story ends. So tell me, so 2018, we're a couple years post 2018 now, um, you had struggles before, but what has helped you keep going for the past couple of years to, to continue to build this company? Uh, well, um, it's des- developing people be- that believe in it, uh, developing a team of, of bright people who believe in the trajectory and believe in how it can change and differentiate the market. And um, that's what's so exciting about it is the connect things just seem to go very smoothly, weirdly enough, um, and people are are coming into the the team that I never could have even imagined um, it would be at this point. Um, sure, I thought later on down the line we would have some great neurosurgeons utilizing the product, and um, that this is truly a, a, a new subset of the market but um i i mean after i I can't thank washu enough for the support that they've given me we just got accepted into the st louis biogenerator um uh, to accelerate the growth of the company and um we're going to be doing testing very soon um so it's an exciting moment it's bigger than me i honestly have no I, i have i have i can't pinpoint anything because it's it's so um, profoundly different than anything that I've ever done. And so usually um, towards the end of the episode, I ask people what is one thing that they're most proud of accomplishing, but I feel like you've already told us so much. Um, so I'm not sure if you have, is there something else that you can say that you're really proud of yourself for accomplishing thus far in your life? Um, well, I mean, being, showing my son to never give up. I think, honestly, that, I mean, th- that's probably the most honest answer I can give. And to never give up your age, your weight, your demographic, your, your education. If you believe in something wholeheartedly, then do it. And find, if you don't have the money to do it, find somebody that does and that believes in you. Take the risk. Uh, there is no reward without risk. I love that. Um, really showing our children that, you know, in the work that we do, in the way that we walk, and the things that we believe in, you know, like, hey, you can do it too. And so when they look at us with their little eyes or big eyes, and now my son is like almost taller than me, it just really um, lets us know that we have done the right thing. So what would you say, what would be the piece of advice that you would give a woman that is interested in getting into medical device sales? Uh, know your strategy. Uh, you have to know your strategy. You have to know where you excel. You have to know uh, where your weaknesses are. Um, and then you have to align it with what you want. Um, and then ba- take baby steps, even if it takes you uh, years to get there. Never give up if it's what you truly want. And then be nimble. If something even better comes along the way, go with that. And, um, but always put yourself out there. Put yourself, um, uh, put one foot in front of the other in the direction that you wanna achieve. 
um, and never give up unless you have a better opportunity that comes to you. I love it. Never give up. Never give up. And that was an excellent, excellent final thought for our listeners. So for those who would like to get in contact with you, what is the one best way? Um, feel free to email me or find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm Alyssa, A-L-Y-S-S-A, Huffman, H-U-F-F, as in Frank, M-A-N. And my email address is alyssa.huffman at gmail.com. Happy to chat and connect. Well, thank you so much, Alyssa. It's been a pleasure learning about your journey, the way that you started in sales that was so much earlier than so many of us having that gumption and now launching something that, like you said, is bigger than yourself. Thanks for taking time today. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time. And that was another episode of The Science of Selling STEM. Remember, click below, subscribe, leave us a review. Let me know if you like the format of the show, anything that you want to change. And remember, in all that you do, transform your sales. Thank you for joining us today on the Snack-Sized Sales Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe and leave us a review. Learn how to continue increasing your bottom line by getting simplified sales strategies delivered to your inbox weekly by going to www.snacksizedsales.com. Trust me, your bank account will grow and love you.